Our guest for today's episode is Stephen Kentucky Webb. We have to call him Kai because, well, he, he loved the state where he was from, and uh, we had six Stevens in the squadron, so nobody could be called Steve. You will enjoy this. Kai is one of my all-time favorite people in the world, and he has quite a story for you. Hello. Hey, Kai. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How do you hear me? I hear you fine. I hear you loud and clear. Good. Thank, thanks for doing this. I know that uh, <clears throat> this is going to be a pretty uh, funny and, and inspirational uh, deal today. Oh, and yeah. Before we get too deep into it, I know there's going to be a lot of folks that are very curious. These are folks that are, you know, prospective cadets, current cadets, grads, and especially classmates that want to know what your overall message is to the group. Okay. Um, I guess the most important thing to say is that um, I would highly recommend going to the Air Force Academy dependent upon your goals in life. So for me, um, I went there because I had visited uh, the campus and thought it was amazing, uh, you know, as a teenager. And then um, it was a good education uh, without, uh, you know, tuition charges. So that was awesome. And my family wasn't very well to do. So that was a, a great relief for my parents. Um, the other thing I liked about it is the mandatory requirements for physical education. So you're always taking PE class. And I thought that I might, you know, laugh at the drinking beer and partying at a civilian university and get fat. And, and uh, I was not a a uh, college athlete, so I wouldn't have had that to, to keep me in shape. So um, those were the reasons. And then I also thought that most 18-year-olds don't know what they really want to do in life. And so you come out of the academy with a commitment to the Air Force, which means you have a guaranteed job for five years, seven years, 10 years, whatever the current commitment is, leaving the academy. And, you know, regardless of what your job is, you're likely going to get to do some travel, have some experiences that you wouldn't uh, enjoy otherwise, and learn some sort of a job skill that might aid you in the civilian market if that's the way you choose to go and leave the military. Or uh, you can make the military a career. Um, so yeah. that would be my main message. But at the same time, I can never discuss the academy without saying that the four years that I spent there were pretty miserable for me in most part, although I had some great times and the summer programs were really good. I really enjoyed my summers there. Well, let me, let me stop you right there. Tell, tell us what you did in the summers. Um, well, um, the first summer um, I was, uh, I started out as a very model cadet and I, uh, you know, completed my freshman year um, ranked pretty highly in the class, both academically and militarily. And so I had the choice of going to soaring, which was a highly selective program to get into and fly a sail, learn to fly sailplanes. Uh, that's kind of what I wanted to do, but my brother kind of lived, uh, his dreams vicariously through me. And he, he's the one that really inspired me to 
even look at the Air Force Academy in the first place. So he was talking to me and he said, no, you got to go airborne. You got to go to jump school. That's where the hardest of the hard go. And you got to do that. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to jump school. So I could have gone to jump school my second summer and done soaring my first summer. So I missed out on soaring, but um, it was fine because I had a great time at jump school. And then um, everyone's required to take the survival, evasion, resistance, and escape training, which all uh, Air Force personnel, um, all military personnel have to take in some form or another. And we took that at the academy um, after our freshman year. Um, Let's see. After my sophomore year, I was a survival um actually i was a resistance instructor i worked in the prisoner of war camp the mock prisoner of war camp interrogator okay and then after my junior year um i did the um, third lieutenant program where you go spend three weeks in an active duty unit and i flew with a c-141 crew throughout the pacific for three weeks that was that was great fun now you were pretty spectacular time too in history right yeah i i got involved with the uh bringing the boat people back from vietnam all the refugees uh we had an airplane full of uh vietnamese refugees that we brought back in a c-141 there he is okay where did it cut off uh i was asking you about the latrine duty on the c-141 oh okay and how how much of that story did i tell none (laughs) okay all right so we found ourselves on a c-141 jet bringing 300 vietnamese refugees back um from vietnam and uh the first thing that happened was the loadmaster was trying to show them how to use the um, life vests in the event of a water landing and there was no translator so he's doing kind of the pointy talky thing and they all inflated their life vests and put them on. So, so now we've got an eight-hour flight, and every 300 people are wearing their life vests. <laughs> the next awesome. thing that happened is one of the the passengers found out that we had a a lavatory on board, and all 300 people got up and got in line to use the lavatory, and that took the rest of the flight. And they were used to squatting over a hole in the floor in their native country, and so. Uh, lavatory on the airplane was uh, kind of foreign to them so that made for some interesting things and they wouldn't you know privacy wasn't a thing either so they wouldn't shut the door and it was it was interesting so yeah but then the final thing I got to do my um, summer before my senior year was uh, because I had been an Eagle Scout even though I was a problematic cadet they allowed me to go to Felmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico and I spent three weeks as a ranger there leading groups of Boy Scouts and their adult leaders out onto the trail and showing them how everything worked and how to cook and how to set up their camps and how to uh, uh, bear-proof their food and, <laughs> and smellables and that kind of thing. So That's cool. I did the same thing. I did it uh, after our, our uh, sophomore year. Okay. So sorry about All that. Right. All right, we, we got through the uh, the Philmont deal. I, I got to do that after uh, uh, sophomore year. That was pretty cool. 
Yeah, what I was asking is, did you go there as a Boy Scout? No, I did not. Okay, okay. Because I had I went there as a Boy Scout, and so I thought maybe that had something. I was a little surprised they let me go because <laughs> I don't. How many guys went with you? Maybe five. Uh, I think we had like ten or twelve, and I went on academic probation, so they didn't really care. You just had to have okay. a scouting record. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, so anyway, summer programs were great. Summer programs were fun, and then. I know we're going to get into some negative stuff, but I'm real curious. What is your earliest memory of being a pink? Uh, good question. I don't. Wow. Do you, did you, I, I, uh, don't, I don't remember that at all. I, I remember, you know, uh, moving into my BCT squadron and, but I don't remember moving over to 36. I was in 13 as a freshman. Right. Honestly, I don't remember anything about the move. I don't remember who I met first or who my first roommate was or anything about it. I all, only thing I remember, I remember my first roommate, but the other thing I really remember was the, the night we painted the Alvarez's office. Were you part of that? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think most of the, you know, things like that, I would have <laughs> gladly been a part of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so a then, willing participant, shall we say? Yeah, and I, and I thought that was a good start for whatever was going to be our upper class uh, life uh, as a group because it seemed to be a prank that was really positive yet funnier than all get out. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing I do remember about sophomore year is that I was not too interested in beaten up on the freshmen right and instead of calling them dualies and squats like everybody else i like to refer to them as the young gentlemen <laughs> yeah so if they were at my table i would say uh, uh cadet so-and-so uh, would you or any of the other young gentlemen at the table like uh, more steak or whatever yeah yeah um <laughs> i tried to go really easy on them without I didn't try to openly buck the system. So when other people were trying to train them, I didn't interfere, but I also tried to give them some moments of, Hey, you're a real person and don't let this stuff get to you. You know, not, not saying that I never tried to instruct them in that way, but just by trying to keep it light and joking with them and letting them feel like not everybody was against them. Right. Um, so that was probably a complete failure as a sophomore because I didn't, I didn't participate fully in the, the training model for the young gentleman. But we also had the the great flush of our class. I mean, we had the 500 guys leaving, so it was kind of to make it hard and get everybody to quit was didn't make any sense. Did we lose that many people from freshman year to sophomore? I don't know about from freshman to sophomore, but definitely from freshman to graduation. I yeah, definitely. We, I don't yeah. think we lost hardly anybody from uh, uh, the last two years. So it was okay. The big flush was going on throughout that freshman and sophomore. That's true. Well, you figure everybody would have been would have left before starting the junior year when you incurred a commitment. Yep. Which you yeah. and I did together in our room. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I I tell people. Well, I think we talked about that before, John. About. Yeah kind of sitting there and everybody was thinking about leaving and then um the clock 
strikes 12 and you all realize that you never had the nerve to leave anyway. So it was just a, a you know, a intellectual uh, discussion. Well, I remember you and I had specifically mentioned some deal because we really enjoyed the, and we'll get into this in a minute, the Palmdale Lancaster stuff. And we oh, thought, yeah. well, let's just go down to UCLA and just hang out with them all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, so that, that leads me to the next uh, question is how much fun did, how many times did you do that? And, and tell us a little bit about that deal. Oh, the Palmdale thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can probably speak more to the whole, uh, setup, but I, I don't know how many years that have been going on before we got the opportunity, John. Um, it, it started, there's a Antelope Valley Guild. Uh, out in uh, the Lancaster, Palmdale, California area, which is near Edwards Air Force Base. And they have every year 15 to 20 debutantes. And they will have escorts for the debutantes. And I don't know whether they used ROTC guys or whatever, but at some point, 36th Squadron was the sister squadron of the... um, unit the active duty unit at edwards air force base yeah i remember so that's how we got associated uh the group at edwards air force base got us associated with that debutante's ball and uh oh my gosh that was one of the best events i mean the opportunity to get away from the academy into a completely different environment where it was more like you know i mean you're interacting with other people uh, like you would on a college. Yeah. <laughs> Did I lose you again? Great. And with everything, um, everything at other people, the, the expense of the people that ran the guild out there yeah. paid for our airfare and our food and hosted parties and activities for us every day. Amazing. Really, really great times. And that was, uh, that was really cool because I think we're the only squadron at the Academy that had that deal. Yeah. I remember that. I don't know that they were even still, a, we were even still affiliated with the Edwards active duty unit our first year. No, but I think we were, we were supposed every, to go to Tinker or some stupid thing. Yeah. And everybody kind of kept this, this uh, debutante thing going. Well, even yeah, though that was no longer <laughs> our squadron sponsor. Yeah, we were all happy to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we were like, "Hey, look, if it's a, if it has anything to do with money, we'll pay for our own airfare." And uh, you know, we were like, "Anything we can do." But I, I don't remember, John. Did did one of our did our AOC go with us every year? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we had supervisory. I don't remember any supervisor going with us ever. Yeah, yeah, Alvarez went with us. Oh, he did. Okay. Yes. And just about ruined it. Um, we tried to arrange activities that he wouldn't know about while we were there <laughs> to get away from him. Yeah. But all the formal things that were arranged by the parents and so forth, he was there. And I remember oof, whose house you would remember the names, but um, we were over at one of the girls' houses. The family had us over for dinner and they had a swimming pool. And we all went out swimming. Of course, none of us had swimsuits. We're using our underpants. Yeah. yeah. So we're all swimming in our underwear. Well, I came in from swimming, and that, that was another thing that was, 
I always look for the little ways to rebel against the system. So, you know, the tidy whities that you were supposed to wear for underwear, <laughs> yeah. those never left my drawer with the cardboard in them. Right. Uh, from freshman year on, I never wore those. So uh, I wore them during basic. But as soon as I could buy, I bought the loudest colored silk <laughs> boxer briefs I could find. Yeah. So that's what I went swimming in out there. And I remember coming in and I'm standing in the hallway with no shirt on and a towel wrapped around me. And Alvarez came over to me and he said, Kai, you do have something on under that, don't you? <laughs> and, I, and I said, yes, sir, I do. And it was like, do you think I'm an idiot? Like I'm going to walk around somebody's house. But that was that's what he thought of me. Well, he thought of that of all of us. So well, that's probably you were, true. You were being singled out of that deal. But I only remember him, so I'm not sure if the other years. Well, he was the guy. He would have been the guy for two to three years. Yeah. Okay. And I don't think Wilcox was going to any party. Oh, that's right. Wilcox was the last year. Yeah. So I don't think he went. So yeah. Alvarez, and I'm not sure Alvarez went. Maybe the first time. Okay. So it may have maybe only. <laughs> Uh, we had too was, much fun. <laughs> yeah. But then I, as I remember, you guys invited me to go again my, our senior year, oh, right? Yeah. You, you were, you were part of the crew, man. It, yeah. Like but, it wasn't, a, it wasn't associated with the squadron other than people that had gone before. Exactly. So that was really, really a nice thing for you guys to do was to invite me to come back and go to that. Um, because I, you're fading on us. It was some heartfelt thing. <laughs> Am I back? You're back now, yes. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, that was a, a great thing that you guys had me come back and let me do that because uh, I, I don't remember really during the senior year connecting with you guys too much. We we're Everybody's just too busy. Yeah, I, that leads me into my next question, which is kind of a tough one, and that is uh, what was worse for you, first year or dual year? Oh, first year, no question. Yeah, my years got progressively worse. My freshman year was my best year at the academy. As far and as academics or everything? Everything. Everything. Really? Uh, I had I had a 3.83 grade point average at the end of the year. I had a 4.0 my first semester. Then I forget whatever makes a 3.83 by the end of the second. They overloaded me. I took an extra class the first semester. And when the second semester, I found myself with a study hall and I'm like, what is this? And I went and talked to my advisor and he said, they overloaded you the first semester. And I said, well, I didn't even notice. I said, overload me again. So I overloaded the first two semesters, took an extra class and still finished the first year with a 3.83 in spite of all the freshman rigmarole. Yeah. And, um, the, here's how I describe the difference. So as a freshman, you can do nothing right. So everything you do is wrong. You get yelled at for everything, but that's all they can do to you is yell at you. So I would take the yelling and then go back to my room and laugh it off and think, man, that guy didn't have much creativity. You know, the stuff <laughs> he was saying to me wasn't very original. And just laugh it off. Yeah. And I'm like, all they can do is yell at me. So you, you couldn't really get in trouble. I mean, unless you did something really, you know, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then you 
are recognized and you start your sophomore year and you think this is going to be awesome. Now I'm a real person again. I can enjoy a little bit of college life. I can get out and get off the, the reservation. And then I got into trouble and they busted me back to the privileges of a freshman again. And now I could get in trouble for anything I did. So they started writing me up for having wire coat hangers in my closet, for having trash in my trash can. It was just, and then to when they kicked me out of the squadron then in my senior year, I went to a different squadron. Um, the guys that were the remaining remnant, that squadron had lost everybody. So there was just a few guys and I didn't get along with any of them. And so I was in constant trouble and they just began to look for anything they could do to make my life miserable. So my senior year was the worst by far. Yeah. I remember being your roommate uh, when the tour pad was very prevalent in our life. And uh, yeah. we were trying to get, from our room to the tour pad and back without getting any more tours. <laughs> and we were both on the, on the path of hitting the, uh, the, whatever the ceiling is for maximum of demerits and tours to get oh, yeah. on that, whatever probation that was conduct probation. Yeah. And, and we, and we did the math and I did the math. I go, there's no way I'm, I'm, I'm heading for conduct pro on top of my academic pro, which, <laughs> which is basically going to boot me from the Academy. And thank God it started snowing and they, they had to cancel all the tours <laughs> and the confi- I was able to burn off all my tours with confinements, which was much easier to deal with. Beautiful. Beautiful. How did that work? That wasn't one for one, was it? Well, you'd go to the tour pad. You'd have two tours to march on a Friday and they'd write you up for an eight and four because your clothes weren't perfect by the time you walked across the terrazzo. Right. Right. So you come back the next Friday, two more tours, they give you four more. And they, they just kept accumulating and it, it was just awful. The infinite loop. Yep. Um, but what I meant was, I, I think one tour, so 50 minutes yep. marching with a rifle, then you got a 10 minute break, then you march another 50. Right. But a confinement lasted three hours, I think. Something like two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. But the 30 minute break or something. And yeah. so it t- it was a lot harder to burn off your time with confinements. Yeah, but you could at least burn them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, but it was, you know, if you wanted to get them done, go out there yeah. and I forget, you could do eight, tour- I don't know how many, what was the maximum you could do a day? Yeah, four or six or something. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. Number. But you had yeah. to survive the inspections. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But I, I should say, I, I, I don't, necessarily need to talk about what happened but the the major things i the the major grievances that i committed at the academy were watching my roommate shoot a model rocket out of the window of after the taps of the, the stairwell. stairwell window in the dorm and it was after taps after we were supposed to be in bed with lights out another night i had been downtown and and uh, did some laundry and got back just in time for the squatter meeting. This was when I was a senior. And uh, I was studying for a big uh, electrical engineering exam and forgot about my laundry. So I ran back out again after taps, after we were supposed to be in our rooms and got my laundry and I got caught Mm. outside after lights out. And then my third big one was... uh, mooning somebody out in the middle of the woods when we were doing those interrogations during the 
<laughs> during Siri. You've gone. You're okay, back. it's your back. Okay, my phone is just uh, going to screensaver, and then I drop off. So now I figured it out. Okay. Um, so the the incident with the mooning. Uh, there was a major that called us into his office afterward and he goes, which one of you boys is the moon champion? <laughs> oh, and I go, that would be me, sir. And I lost, see, we did interrogations, 14 hours of interrogations a day for several days. And at the end of the 14 hours, you'd get on a ton and a half truck yeah. and we'd be in the back, just up in the open bed and three guys would be up in the cab. So we're blowing off steam. I mean, you did 14 hours of interrogation, so we're blowing off steam. And we got uh, Steph Eisen, if you knew him. Yeah. We He got up on top of the cab, and we held his legs, and he <laughs> leaned down over the front and made, like, windshield wipers with his arm, <laughs> which forced them to look back to see who was doing it. And, and I had a moon planted right against the glass of the rearview mirror of the window. Yeah. So we thought that was hilarious. And sounds funny. <laughs> there was a there was a guy named who was the only guy on the truck that I didn't know. He had been oh. working the survival instructor or something else. And I did not know him. And he was the only guy on the truck I didn't know. And I blamed him. I thought he turned us in. And turns out, no, some officer somehow saw us. I, it might have been an officer in his personal car who was driving back from Siri and happened to be behind the truck, but an officer saw us and turned us in. And I never knew that until long after I'd graduated. I wound up being in my senior squadron and I held a grudge against him that entire year. Never spoke to him. Uh, just was angry at him about that. But anyway, so, but I, I just want to say that we're yeah, you're gonna I'm say sorry. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that the one thing where I gained some feeling of satisfaction out of all that is after the model rocket, which was my worst thing. That's, uh, I forget what the, it's like 40 tours. And I forget, I forget how many, I forget what, it, how it worked. Yeah, it was a, it was a max. Uh, thing yeah. 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 So after that, they, I, at the time I was on uh, superintendent's list, which meant, Dean's list for grades and uh, commandant's list for military order merit. So I was a shining troop at that point. And they took all that away from me. They took away my Dean's list pen. They took away my commandant's pen and that, you know, took away my superintendent's list pen. So they, and they busted me down to the rank of the lower class. I, I said that before, but I thought it was ridiculous. I said, okay, look, I messed up. And I, I understand that, now, militarily, I've gone to the bottom of the pile. But what does this have to do with my academic standing? Yeah, really. I have earned those grades, and they have nothing to do with my conduct outside of the academic halls. So I wrote a letter to General Vandenberg, um, who at the time was our commandant. More about that later. <laughs> but um, uh, I wrote him a letter, and I just said, look, I'm, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I understand that, and I did a bad thing, and willing to suffer the punishment, but please, could I have my Dean's list pinned back? I think that is an academic order of merit, which shouldn't be affected by my conduct outside of the academic halls. So I got a letter back uh, about a month later from General Vandenberg, and it said, it was like six paragraphs, and it was like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, <laughs> you're wrong 
here's your Dean's List pen back. <laughs> and so I got just a little bit of satisfaction that he had read your letter. So th- enough about that. More questions. All right. Fun trips. I want to I want to bring Kai Webb into the world of the hysterical fun guy that yeah. went with me to Southern California on a, on a, <laughs> some kind of a hop that we took down to March or someplace. Okay, so I and think our greatest I think our greatest odyssey was the trip to Hawaii. Well, that was that'll be the next one, but this one I thought was pretty cool because I've used it many times in in later years telling people how the best way to hitchhike in Southern California <laughs> when you when it's too late and you don't want to get in a car with a, with a stranger you spend the night on this cloverleaf on the highway oh, because that's the safest place to be. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. And then, then the next yeah. morning you get in a truck driven by a Hispanic guy out to the farm and he takes you close to where the the medicus house is and you can walk the rest of the way. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I barely remember that, but yeah, that was, uh, we, we did pretty good John for, for making the best of our time off. I know a lot of people would have just said, well, I'm just going to hang around the Academy for spring break. We were like, we're going to go as far as we can possibly get. For as little as it could cost. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess what we did at the end was buy a commercial ticket home to, to make sure we got back on time, right? Yeah, the one, the one way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, you tell them about the the long adventure. To, to yes. Break, uh, so June, we decided we were we were going to go to Hawaii, and it seems like we couldn't find anything out of Peterson Air Force Base. So we're just going to go get space available on anything going westbound. <laughs> and we go out to Peterson Field thinking there'd be a lot of airplanes going westbound, and there was nothing for like five days. So we're like, this isn't going to work. So we start, I don't know if we made phone calls or just ask base ops over there or whatever, but we found out there was a, a Navy P-2 sub chaser leaving Buckley Field in Denver going to Whidbey Island off the coast of Seattle, the Naval Air Station at Whidbey Island. And so we go up to Denver and got on this P2 and I, what was it like a 10 hour flight from, it was, it was all Sunday long. (laughs) Yeah. Just to to paint the picture, (laughs) spring break started on Friday night. We wasted all day Saturday trying to find a plane. We got a plane Sunday. Yeah. It took all day Sunday to go to Whidbey Island. That's right. And uh, the thing I remember about that is it had that big glass nose and they have an observer that, sits in the glass nose and looks for submarines when they're doing the bow. The it was the bow. You have to sit yeah, in the, the bow, bow and look for traffic. Yep. And you were called the bow. So they would call you on the radio and they'll go, bow, do you have that traffic at 10 o'clock? And I got down there, <laughs> took my shirt off and was getting a suntan in that glass bubble and fell asleep. Yeah. And they'd call you and you, you wouldn't respond. And they'd, boom, do you see that? Bow, do you see that guy? Anyway. We were all asleep. <laughs> John was at the same trip then where we got a uh, we got a C one eighteen. It gets better because then then we got a ride with a banker. This was a reserve P two. Yes, banker Back took us to downtown. Seattle. Took us to downtown Seattle, and then we rode a bus, a trailways bus down to McCord, where we got a C one forty one down yes. to Travis. Yes, or not maybe uh, no maybe, maybe Alameda, no, maybe Alameda like, in the no, Bay Area. No, it was uh. Uh, some other 
base down in the Bay Area because we had to get a helicopter ride to Alameda. Oh, God, I don't even remember that. Because I and got then a we got on that a this, that this uh, of you standing at at this uh, weird sign of some Porto <laughs> Mini or something like that. Yeah, then we stuck stuck around Alameda till Tuesday because we couldn't find any flights going. Oh west my gosh. And the third member of our party, Nat, decided he had a girlfriend back in Tennessee. She, he bailed. She'd be more fun than hanging out with us. So he flew back to Tennessee. And we, we said, we woke up that Tuesday morning thinking, well, should we hang out here? Should we just go? And I said, screw it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And so didn't we get then get on a C-118 that flew us to Hawaii? Yep. yep. And it, that was 12 hours. Yeah. And oh, my gosh. That thing was noisy and hot uncomfortable yeah that was that was a long long ride but, but anyway we, we had day, in hawaii. Yeah, went to thursday friday Saturday. we had four days in hawaii and you and i killed ourselves in the first 30 minutes i got my feet were purple they got burned so bad that's the worst sunburn i've ever had in my life and we couldn't wear shoes remember no they were we, our feet were too swollen yeah <laughs> and we had a dinner with some family friends of mine and we had to go on a bus to them wearing pants and shirt and everything with no with no shoes and socks and our feet were too purple <laughs> and these purple feet that stuck out like sore thumbs yeah uh, it was crazy but that's, that was that, that was a great thing to be proud of well yeah i mean we brought the pineapples a box of pineapples back to the yeah. squad because nobody would have believed that we no. pulled this off yeah no no nobody believed but didn't we meet wasn't Greg Lewis and some other guys over there that had flown over commercial? I don't think it was Greg. I do remember re- meeting John Hazen over there. Okay. And Hazen, and the reason I remember that is we ended up getting Hazen's sister to go out with us to one of the bars. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but that, that fizzled. That didn't turn into anything. It was just, a, it was fun to have yeah. a girl with us. Yeah. 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 Almost as much fun as the uh, Acapulco trip. Yes. So that begins with the fact that my senior year roommate, who I wound up uh, rooming with for two of the three periods, normally you get tired of a roommate and move on. I don't know about you, but uh, about one, one, uh, what did we call those periods? I don't know, but I was, I was known as a GPA killer. So everybody wanted to get rid of me. Yeah. So couldn't put me in the room with Pat Murray or another bad grade guy. So I, I kept getting smart guys and I'd water them down. Yeah. <laughs> and you would drag them down rather than them yeah. dragging you up. Yeah. Well, they, they kept me up above the two O, but I would pull them down close to that level. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know that I ever had a roommate two times in a row, but so, uh, we had a classmate named Frank Corona, Francisco Javier Corona Ateca. And he was a Mexican citizen who got, uh, came to the Air Force Academy on an exchange program, which left him in no man's land because he couldn't go into the U.S. Air Force because he's a Mexican citizen. He couldn't go into the Mexican Air Force because they only took uh, people from their own Air Force Academy down there. And he wanted to be in the CIA, but the CIA doesn't interview you. They contact you. I mean, you don't, <laughs> you don't apply for a job. They find you. So, but anyway, so he's my roommate. So he's like, hey, I got a, I think it was his uncle that had a condo yep. in Acapulco. Yep. And we're like, this sounds awesome. Let's do this. <laughs> right. You know, Frank described it right on the beach. It's beautiful. We're like, 
<laughs> Unbelievable. So who went? Zimmerman and you yeah. and I and Frank. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Ron Zimmerman and you and I and, and Frank. And <laughs> I remember we got to Mexico City. We flew to Mexico City first. And his mother lived there. So we went to meet his mother. And we're like, we're in the cab driving over to his mom's. And we're all like, we didn't know any Spanish. We're like, Frank, teach us something nice to <laughs> say to your mom when we meet her. And so he taught us this phrase. So we show up, we practice it over and over in the cab. And uh, we got to her door, we knock on the door. She opens the door and we go, Buenos dias, Senora Teca. Donde esta el baño? Which means it was the bathroom. And she just looked at us kind of strange and then turned and pointed. <laughs> and we're like, what did we just say, Frank? And he's rolling on the floor. Yeah, that was so, good. But then, if you remember, we got down to Acapulco and nothing was as described. His uncle wasn't expecting us, didn't want us yeah. to use his condo. Yeah. It was under construction and was a yeah. nightmare. Yeah. So. Uh, and then Montezuma got us because Frank yeah. kept us to his favorite restaurants off the strip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then we had to flight back home. Uh, we had a good time in Acapulco. We enjoyed all the scenery. We enjoyed the 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 beaches. We did, did a we did a scuba class, which was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, well, one of the dumbest, I should say. Um, hung over, no training, and go down 50 feet. <laughs> totally violating every law of physics that they teach you in Naui class not to do. But I remember getting the, the revenge really badly on the way back. And there was, we're on that Aeromexico flight. Oh, gosh. And the three gringos were, were, there's three toilets on the plane. The three gringos are in the toilets the whole flight up to Mexico City. And oh, we're my just goodness. And that, air, that airplane bathroom. That, that's all I remember. Oh my gosh. So anyway, I think we, we really made the best of our time off there rather than just hanging around like a lot of people did. And, and our trips were always, I think, quite a bit more adventurous than guys that, you know, just took an airline to, to Hawaii or wherever. Well, they, they didn't, they didn't have the financial constraints that we had. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And a lot of people just were going home to see family and stuff. We we just went to an adventure. Right. Um, let's see. One other. Th- I did want to continue the, before we wrap this thing up and say, Kai, what what did you do after you graduated? Okay, uh, I uh, went to pilot training and I uh, went to uh, Craig Air Force Base, Selma, Alabama, for T thirty sevens, and then they there was one more T thirty seven class after ours, and then they closed the base. So we couldn't do T-38s at the same base. So we went to uh, Reese Air Force Base uh, in Lubbock, Texas. Do you remember uh, when you were at Craig going to a, a Vanderbilt homecoming game? Yes. For football? Yep. Yes. I also remember we went down to uh, C. Dedic in uh, New Orleans and went to Mardi Gras. And uh, you were fairly famous that with uh, a famous uh, Saturday Night Live person, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, they did the, it, they were doing the antler dance at the time. It was a thing where you put your hands on the side of your head like antlers and dance around. And Saturday Night Live was doing that and they were on the, it was uh, Buck. What's his last name? Buck Henry. Yeah, Buck Henry. Yeah. Buck was on one of the floats and with uh, Jane Curtin, I think. Yep. 
and we were throwing, everybody was throwing beads at them mercilessly and they weren't having too much fun really because they're trying to do their Saturday night live routine and they're getting pelted in the face with all these beads. And I was standing with the guy that was hitting them every time he threw, because he was a all all American water polo player from our class. Remember, remember Walt Heidemus? Yeah, yeah, I remember the name. I can't. And remember. he kept he kept standing there, and I I couldn't believe his accuracy. He kept saying, "I love you, Jane," and he's throwing and he's hitting her every time. And if you ever see the the rebroadcast of the show, she's up there getting pelted by the. And I'm going, "This is Heidemus Center throwing these beads at her." Oh my gosh. Um, you, you didn't, you didn't go on the trip to, uh, Lubbock, Texas with me and Charlie Williams, did you? No, I did not. Okay. We, we had a trip down there. It, it could have been like the debutantes ball, but it wasn't. We were supposed to be entertained. Charlie was from there and, and went to Texas A&M for a year. And, uh, so he was going to hook us up with the angel flight. The girls were... Uh, in ROTC or whatever. And we all went out to the football game with them and they all promptly ditched us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that turned out to be kind of a bust. And on the way home driving, we were driving nonstop, Charlie and I and my 280Z. And I fell asleep at the wheel and we did a 360 and, and nothing happened and damage the car. Nothing happened to Charlie, but scared the Dickens out of both of us. And yeah. Anyway, so that's what I remember about that trip. But um, what was the question? Well, then you, then you ended up. Uh, oh, what did I do KC, afterwards? KC-135 okay. pilot, right? I went to pilot training. and um, Because I got one more funny story for everybody if we get there. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll make this quick then. Um, I wound up getting my very last choice of aircraft. And it was because I had C-9 first. And one came down and it went to guy that outranked me. And then I had C-141 second. Four of those came down. They went to guys that had them first choice. And C-130s, same thing. So that I was so far down the list at that point that I got my last choice of airplanes, which was a KC-135 aerial refueling mission, Boeing 707. But it was a fabulous job, and I could not have enjoyed my time on active duty anymore. The the C-141, the C-130 guys would, you know, take some cargo somewhere, go right into crew rest, wherever they were, and come back 14 hours later and fly a loaded airplane to the next drop point. Whereas with the KC-135, we went to Guam, uh, Diego Garcia in the Indian Ocean, Alaska, and England. And we would be there 60 days, during which time we would fly 10 times, so we'd have 50 days to sightsee wherever we were. On, on Diego Garcia, you had 50 days to sightsee? No, uh, that was part of the Guam trip. We went okay. to Diego Garcia for a week. Okay. And uh, the, the neatest story there was we went up, we took off out of Diego Garcia and refueled uh, some B-52s that were doing a show of force against the Soviet Navy. And so they would fly out God knows where across the Pacific into the Indian Ocean and and fly low level and buzz these uh, uh, Russian Navy ships. And then they would come back. So they had a 30-hour mission. So we went up and refueled them, went back, got our crew rest, took off, went up and refueled them on their way back. 
<laughs> and I remember the B-52 crew we refueled were like, well, how'd the mission go? And they, he said, um, well, he says, about hour 14, we lost an engine. <laughs> so we had to fly the next 20 hours with, with you know, of course, they had eight engines. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they flew with seven engines for most of the flight. But um, so anyway, I, I greatly enjoyed my time, but I it looked like that on active duty, I was going to be flying more and more of a desk as you, you know, it was an up or out philosophy. So you had to move up in rank and yeah. and in position. And the higher you moved up, the less flying you'd do. So I wanted to fly for the airlines and I got out at my earliest opportunity and the airlines weren't hiring. So I found a uh, corporate flying job, flying a business jet in Cincinnati for a corporation and wound up doing that for 37 years, very happily. Flew Hawker jets, and then at the end of my career, I flew a Gulfstream G280. That was an amazing airplane. So, latest technology. Now, how did how did you uh, uh, think of calling uh, a bunch of Navy aircraft in the Indian Ocean and telling them that you knew one of their uh, compadres? <laughs> oh, I, I will yeah. never forget sitting in the ready room one day and. Bunch of guys came off of a mission. They go, "Hey, do you know a guy named Kai Webb?" And I go, "Well, yeah." Oh my gosh! And they go, "He just—he's just refueling everybody, and he's—he's he's asking if they know you. You got to go up and say hi to him." I'm like, "Okay, well, whatever." <laughs> what, was I'm that? Like, was that from the Indian Ocean, John? Yeah, that was in the middle okay. of the. Okay. Wow, I don't even remember that. But and I and I think we uh, we communicate one of the trips I went up, and I didn't get refueled by you, but you were in the sky. And we talked just briefly and said, "Wow, meet up in the Philippines sometime." And that's how we ended wow. up in our in our wild Philippine trip. That's right, where Ron Zimmerman was stationed there, and, and my ship was flying F fours, right? He and, was flying uh, F fours, and my ship had pulled into Subic, and we had some time, and and my wife was down there, and so we went up to see you guys, and kind of destroyed part of the Air Force base up there. <laughs> Was that the time we went to that party where, because Ron was dating that teacher? And boy, he's married, the one he's married to, yeah. Oh, oh, they got married. I didn't know that. Yeah. But uh, we're, the academy guys are just standing around talking about academy stuff and all these academic types, these teachers are talking about other stuff. And his girlfriend at the time read him the riot act about how bad we were for not trying to <laughs> mingle and talk to other people. And, we hadn't seen each other in forever and we were just catching up. So, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, yeah. And, and I remember getting off of active duty and running into you in Napa, California. Wow. And you took me to Charlie's house. Wow. <laughs> we did the whole, what was it? The, all the different Christian brothers winery and a couple of things yeah. back, back in the uh, or 82. I think it was, was when we did that. Yeah. Wow crazy <laughs> That's well, crazy. well thanks a lot for doing this i, I it's yeah. been about an hour and I, I i think we'll have to splice some stuff together i'll try to send you a, a copy of it okay super i appreciate you having me on and uh hope that in some way it's instructive helpful or or uh destructive uh for well, people who are considering the academy well i think i think like i said the, the whole point of this is to a get our stories out there and b get people to understand that if you're eating crap there, it's okay. You're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
if we have a minute, I, I do remember when we did that meeting with some of the cadets telling them that, look, if you are really miserable oh yeah, and being in the military is not your goal in life, you have a passion for art or whatever, then leave. Okay. If, if you are not meant to be there, then leave. But if you're just thinking, I don't like this, I'd kind of like to be a pilot, but I don't know if I can put up with this, then hang in there and get it done because you can do it. And, and, uh, the rewards are great. That's, that's the biggest reason I tell people I didn't like it there, but I would go back and do everything exactly the same, even knowing what I know now, because of what it get, where it got me in life. And I became a pilot and got to fly my whole life and there's nothing more enjoyable. So it That's was great. It, yeah. Great things came from humble beginnings. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad things worked out for you, Kai. Yeah. Thank you. And you too, John. Yeah, no, this has been this has been very entertaining. Okay, man. Appreciate it. All right. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye.